Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked. The best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I am your host Ryan, and for today's episode, it is another one of our themeless June episodes. It should be a fairly quick one today. We are going to be discussing a four-issue miniseries from only a few years ago that is having some major ramifications in the current line of Wolverine comics. We're talking the death of Wolverine. Death of Wolverine as I mentioned, was a four-issue miniseries. It was published between September and October of 2014. It was written by Charles Soule, pencils from Steve McNiven, inks J. Layston, colors Justin Ponzer, and letters from Chris Eliopoulos. It is a quick four issues. It's a very fast read to get through, and it is the death of Wolverine. Now, for those of you who are following the current X-Books being put out every week from Marvel, then you are well aware that Wolverine is on the rise. He has returned, and there is now an event going on called Hunt for Wolverine. Now, Hunt for Wolverine kicked off with a one-shot issue, and... From now until the return of Wolverine, we have four four four-issue miniseries that make up the rest of Hunt for Wolverine. We have The Adamantium Agenda, Weapon Lost, Mystery in Madripoor, and Claws of a Killer. Presumably, once these four miniseries are concluded, then we'll have a good picture of exactly where Wolverine is and what's going on with him. And then, of course, Charles Soule will come back in and write the Return of Wolverine series, which allegedly will lead to a new ongoing with the title Wolverine. None of that would be possible if we didn't have Wolverine getting killed. Now, Charles Soule is quickly becoming one of my favorite X-Riders. He just finished up his run, a 12-issue run on Astonishing X-Men. He, like I had mentioned wrote the Hunt for Wolverine one-shot. He is writing the miniseries Weapon Lost, and then he will be writing Return of Wolverine. And I'm hoping, uh, I can't remember if they announced it or not, but I'm hoping that he'll be the one writing the Wolverine ongoing when that comes back. But this isn't his first foray into the X titles. Uh, He was also co-writer on another Death of series, called Death of X and then Avengers ver- or excuse me Inhumans versus X-Men. So Death of Wolverine itself is told outside of the context of any of the ongoing series that were going on at the time. Uh, we were only about 10 or so issues into Wolverine and the X-Men at this point. Uh, when the death of Wolverine was announced, and the way they went about it is, in the comics, canonically, Wolverine lost his healing factor. He was no longer able to heal, 
and once his healing factor stopped, then his wounds were starting to catch up with him. He had radiation from various experiments. He had adamantium poisoning. He was suffering from endocrinitis from all the bacteria that was being pulled into his systems every time he popped his claws, uh, which, of course, weren't healing. Now, we saw this to an extent in the live-action Logan film from 2017, but uh, we get to explore it a lot more in the comics with this series. The premise of the four issues is there is someone out there who has put a hit on Wolverine. Not necessarily a hit, meaning take this person out, but more like bring this person to me alive and you will be richer than your wildest dreams. And so Wolverine gets wind that he is being hunted and he assumes it's because the word is out finally that his healing factor is gone and that he is slowly dying and that for the first time ever someone would be able to kill Wolverine. So it starts off, he's in British Columbia, he's just had a battle, he's not healing from the battle, so he goes into town to a bar that he usually frequents when he's in the area, drinks some of Ween's Canadian whiskey, which I just love that throwback, that little callback to Wolverine creator Len Ween, uh, but he leaves a map for the barkeep and says, if anyone comes asking for me, and people most certainly will, uh, just go ahead and give them this. And it's a map to Wolverine's location. And it's not too long after Wolverine disappears that someone finally comes into that bar looking for him. And it's none other than Nuke. And Nuke has a very long history with Wolverine. We get some really great moments between Wolverine and Nuke in the Wolverine Origins series from Daniel Way. I'm really hoping one day that I can cover that series in its entirety because it is an awesome series. It is some of the best Wolverine stuff to come out of the mid-2000s, and at a time when the X-Teams were on decline, the Wolverine solo stuff was on its way up. We got some really good stuff from like 2005 until 2014, and that Daniel Way series, Wolverine Origins, was some of the best. So if you're interested in who Nuke is, if you've seen Jessica Jones Season 1, uh, then you might be a little bit familiar with the character, or if you've read any other kind of uh, Wolverine or Punisher kind of backstories, uh, then you might be somewhat familiar with the character. Uh, so check out Wolverine Origins if you can, because there's some great Nuke stuff in that series. Anywho, he then takes his small team and he tracks Wolverine down to this island. It's not really hard. Wolverine took a map and drew a big old X right in the island so that they would know exactly where he was. And when Nuke gets there, we learn that he's not the first person who's tried to take out Logan. There are hand ninjas and aim soldiers and hydra agents and all kinds of people just just these bodies just littering the beach of this island, all these people who have come looking for Logan to take him out. But eventually, Wolverine is able to defeat Nuke in a fight, and he asks Nuke, who put out the hit? Who's coming after me? Wolverine kind of has realized at this point that it's never going to end. 
someone is always going to try to come and track him down. But maybe if he figures out who it is that's trying to find him, he can take the fight to them and just stop it from happening. Uh, so Nuke, after getting savagely headbutted <laughs> about 15 times from Wolverine, uh, he is able to give up the name of who it was that hired him to track down Logan and bring him back alive. And that was Viper, the Emerald Queen of Madripoor. So we've discussed Viper a little bit in the past in some of the issues. Uh, one of our Japan issues from back in April uh, covered Viper and Silver Samurai. So you can always go back and check that out. Or if you've seen The Wolverine, there is a character named Viper in that movie who is loosely based on comic book Viper. So check that out. It's another character who has a long history with Wolverine, a long history with Madripoor. Good stuff. So issue two, Wolverine decides to head to Madripoor himself. He goes somewhat incognito. I mean, he can't really hide who he is too much, uh, even without popping his claws. You know, he's a fairly recognizable character. And yet he manages to, at the very least, infiltrate a bar where Viper's henchmen are known to frequent, and he manages to set up a meeting with one of her stooges. It's one of her people that are able to procure items and things on her behalf. And under the guise of Wolverine as an arms dealer, selling an Iron Man helmet to Viper is able to convince this toady to give him an audience with Viper. And when he gets to... Viper's chamber, she reveals to him that someone even hired her and that she will tell him who it is that's trying to find him if he can beat her, and I'm doing air quotes here, champion. And the champion is revealed to be none other than Sabretooth. So the battle begins. It's pretty brutal at first. Sabretooth manages to cut out pretty much one of Wolverine's eyes by, you know, gouging his face. And Wolverine, you know, afraid to pop his claws, knowing he can't heal and all that, is trying to keep his distance. But eventually the ferocity of Sabretooth, he manages to corner Wolverine. And on panel, you hear the sound effect snicked, but you don't see Wolverine's claws popped. And then you see Lady Deathstrike appear and just take out Sabretooth. Uh, it's like one page. She comes in and it's just this savage slashing and slashing. And they let Sabretooth leave with his life. And in the struggle, Viper is also able to escape. So Wolverine, thinking that Lady Deathstrike has come to also try to kill him, he says, look, I, I don't have enough energy to fight you, so just get it over with. And Lady Deathstrike is here to deliver some much-needed exposition. She lets Wolverine know that not only is he on the list of people to capture, but Lady Deathstrike is also on that list, and that she was just attacked by Ogun, 
who apparently is now back from the dead. And she figures if she teams up with Wolverine, since he's also on the list, that maybe they can stop who it is that's hunting them. But while they are talking, she realizes that Wolverine is not healing and determines that if Wolverine can't heal, then he can't help her. And so she decides, well, if I take Wolverine in, maybe I can make a deal and say, I'll give you Wolverine if you leave me alone. But before she can fight Wolverine or subdue Wolverine and take him in, someone else arrives. Kitty Pride. So Kitty shows up in the nick of time and halts Lady Deathstrike from taking Wolverine, and that actually ends issue two. So Kitty fights Lady Deathstrike. She is fairly brutal uh, in this battle with Lady Deathstrike. Uh, she doesn't try to kill her or anything, but she does use her phasing abilities to just like shatter one of her hands, and then she threatens her with death. So, uh, not the soft, sweet, innocent kitty that we are used to, but uh, definitely a harder kitty uh, at this point. And so Wolverine and Kitty decide that since Ogun's name was thrown out and they figured knowing Ogun and how strong and powerful and feared he is, that if he is one of the people who's trying to find Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike and all these other people that he must be pretty near to the top, if not the one that wants them specifically. So Kitty and Wolverine decide to head to Japan. But before they do, Kitty is able to procure this sample, or she already has this sample, and she's able to administer the sample of some sort of a regenerative serum to Wolverine. So he's able to grow his eye back and at least heal from his wounds uh, that he received in the fight with Sabretooth. So they go to Japan and they're talking. Wolverine tells Kitty that, you know, it's pretty much the end for him, uh, that he doesn't have his powers, and he's kind of looking at it as a fresh start. You know, he always kind of knew that he was going to have time to change his ways or that he would always have time to be the good guy. So he was always more along the lines of being morally gray. Uh, sometimes he did stuff that was questionable, you know, uh, like slicing people up and chasing after married women, etc. So he's kind of confiding in Kitty, like, I have this, this chance now, you know, I, I can finally live a life and know that all of my actions have purpose because they are all ultimately going to lead to old age and death. And he kind of finds it refreshing, but at the same time, he understands that who he is, it might be too late for him to restart his life. And that if it ever comes to that, that he would just go someplace beautiful and watch the sunset and impale himself with his claws. Uh, and Kitty's like, no, you can't do that. I, I get what you're saying. This is great. You know, you have this new lease on life. And then it gets real weird. Uh, she kind of like disappears behind him. And then as he's like in this weird train of thought, she kind of grabs him and kisses him. And he's like, whoa, hey, you know, we're not uh, we're not like that. That's not how our relationship has ever been. 
and Kitty gets real weird, and uh, it's determined that it's not Kitty in control, but rather it's Lord Ogun in control of Kitty, and Wolverine actually catches on fairly quick. Well, Kitty goes on this weird tirade about the fact that she's not as pretty as all the women that Wolverine's been in love with, but, you know, all the women that Wolverine loves are dead, and that was... I mean, that was enough for Wolverine to go, okay, you know what? Yeah, this isn't Kitty, because this is way too weird. This has got to be Lord Ogun. And Ogun's like, yeah, it's me. You're right. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm i just trying to give you guys a rundown before I actually do a review and all that and talk about the artwork and the writing. But I do have to say, we are, what, two and a half issues into a three-issue series, and the pacing is is quick. You know, it's you can't blink an eye or you're going to miss something. And so... Kitty's revealed as Ogun, and Wolverine attempts to fight him, but Kitty is also fighting Ogun in her mind. And so Ogun, realizing that he can't fight Wolverine physically and Kitty mentally simultaneously, uh, he leaves Kitty alone and goes and finds a new host to possess. And so Kitty is able to kind of snap back to normal, and Wolverine and Kitty decide that even though Wolverine's healing factor is gone, he can still track Ogun, so he does. So he leaves Kitty there in Japan to kind of get her mind back to where it needs to be. I imagine being taken over by Lord Ogun and then having to psychically fight him probably takes quite a bit out of you. So he leaves Kitty behind to recuperate, and he follows Ogun, and eventually the person that Ogun is inhabiting leads Logan to this weird kind of factory. And when Wolverine gets into the factory, he sees like this acid pool or this acid tank. And inside they have like a dead cyber who is like being disintegrated, or at least all the organic flesh from his body is being disintegrated so that the adamantium will stay intact and, you know, not have this corpse attached to it and that's when Ogun you know reveals to Logan that there's a lot more going on than Logan maybe realizes that they weren't just after him because he can't heal that that actually has nothing to do with it and rather it's someone tracking down Cyber and Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike and anyone else that has adamantium and Wolverine tries to fight this person and Wolverine manages to get the upper hand and the only option that Ogun has is to hurl this body, this person that he's inhabiting into the acid and that way Ogun would escape. But Ogun says, I'm a man of honor, you're a man of honor, Let's make a trade. If I have to get rid of this body, it's going to be inconvenient for me because then I'm going to have to go find another one and this, that, and the other thing. You won't be happy because an innocent person is dead, so let's make a deal. You leave me alone. You let me walk away from here, and I will tell you the person who is above everybody else, the person who put out the order to bring you in in the first place. And Wolverine's doesn't like the deal but he takes it because Wolverine really needs to know who it is that's trying to capture him 
and Lord Ogun drops kind of a bombshell on Wolverine here and says, Abraham Cornelius. And that shocks Wolverine pretty bad. But he got the information he needed. Ogun is able to leave. And Wolverine goes off after Dr. Cornelius. And that is the third issue. There were some scenes that I kind of skipped over uh, because I do want to talk about the artwork separately, but there's some good stuff in this issue. So stick around. So like I said, pretty fast pace here. We are three issues down, 75% of the way done with this four issue series. And we've really had nothing but action. And this fourth issue is no different. Now, when Ogun had revealed that it was Dr. Cornelius that was after Wolverine, he also told Wolverine where he can find them. And that was in the Arizona desert, uh, desert springs or something like that. I was way off. Uh, Paradise Valley in Nevada, my bad. Uh, so Wolverine heads out to the Nevada desert and goes to Paradise Valley, which apparently is a Weapon X facility or an old Weapon X facility. And Wolverine immediately just starts cutting down guards. Uh, I do have to point out that he's not using his normal claws. He has like sharpened rebar. I don't know. It looks kind of cool. He's wearing like this contraption. I don't know, kind of like the Shredder from Ninja Turtles. He's got like this like kind of gorilla homemade gauntlet thing that he's wearing on either forearm. And he's got like these sharpened, like super sharpened like rebar uh, that he's using as his claws because obviously Wolverine is used to fighting with claws. But if he pops his own claws, he's hurting himself and risking injury and, and this and that. So he's got like these homemade claws. It's pretty cool. And it's only like a page of him cutting down these guards before they're like, oh yeah, Dr. Cornelius is in that room over there. Uh, so Wolverine goes into this room and he finds that there's all these experiments going on, naturally, uh, and Wolverine's not happy about it. And he confronts Dr. Cornelius almost immediately. Like he walks into this room, he sees there's like these three bodies on uh, operating t tables. There's these mechanical contraptions above all three of them that are performing the experiments. There's like a dude in a tank, a couple dudes in tanks. And Wolverine immediately goes over and sees, you know, this big glass window where like the control room is on the other side. And Dr. Cornelius is right there. And Wolverine confronts him like right off the bat. And he's like, you know, what are you doing? You're a monster. And Dr. Cornelius just, I don't know. It's, we get this really great like bond villain moment here where Dr. Cornelius explains everything that he's doing and why. And ultimately he says that Wolverine was a failure and that all the other experiments were failures and that Dr. Cornelius, the brilliant Dr. Cornelius has finally solved the problem and he can make the perfect killing machine and it'll be great. And they're completely under control and they're not wild animals like Logan or any of the other ones and all kinds of stuff. And then Dr. Cornelius says, the only thing that I need is I need you because I need your healing factor. And Wolverine's like, well, Hey man, I hate to rain on your parade here, but uh, I don't have my healing factor anymore. Check it. And he cuts himself and like puts his hand up on the window and the wound doesn't close. And Dr. Cornelius is like, well, it sucks to be you. So he's able to activate uh, the one weapon that they have that's operational at this point. And uh, it starts to fight Wolverine. We get a couple of pages of 
Wolverine fighting this guy before he kind of tricks this machine into breaking the glass that uh, Dr. Cornelius is hiding behind. And that is able to, like, shock this weapon. Uh, Major Sharp is the name of this weapon. It's able to, like, shock him into uh, inaction. Uh, And in that moment of inaction, Wolverine is able to kind of knock him unconscious. And, you know, he tells Cornelius, like, turn this crap off. You can't do this. And Cornelius is like, make me. Um, And so, no, he just yells no, and he turns it on instead. And so Wolverine knows, like, this is the last chance he has. He has to stop these experiments from happening and these people's lives from being ruined. And in the center of this room, naturally, is this big, giant tank of, like, molten adamantium. And so Wolverine pops his claws one last time, and he cuts this tank open so that the adamantium spills out before it's able to be bonded to these like three uh, experiments and you know Wolverine is enveloped in this in this molten adamantium and uh, as an act of mercy of course there's like three of those little syringes you know those syringes that Kitty used to heal Wolverine at the end of issue two Uh, there's like three of them in this room so Logan administers one each to these three experiments and then chases Cornelius to the roof. Luckily for Wolverine, Cornelius took some shrapnel to the abdomen uh, during the battle when the uh, major when Major Sharp broke the window, some of that glass went into uh, Cornelius's it looks like maybe his kidney or his liver or something. Um and so he's like slowly bleeding out and uh, Cornelius gets to the helipad and tells the pilot, you know, get ready to take off, but he collapses. And before the helicopter pilot is able to get him onto the chopper, Wolverine appears. And so the pilot flees, leaving Cornelius there on the roof with this, like, Wolverine that's just covered in this molten adamantium that is, like, really quickly hardening. And Wolverine goes to kill Cornelius, but can sense that nothing's going to stop him from dying. He is going to die in like mere seconds. So Wolverine just lets him rant and rave like a madman. And uh, I do like this moment uh, where you have this Dr. Cornelius laying here on the ground, bleeding out and he's yelling at Wolverine. He's just gone completely off the deep end here, you know? And one of the things he says, what did you ever do but kill people? What did you ever do? What did you ever do? And Wolverine just kind of flashes to all these great moments, all these highlights of his life. And there's a little caption that just says, enough. You know, you see Wolverine fighting a bunch of hand ninjas. You see a a little panel of Wolverine as Patch. You see him kissing Jean, you know, right before he kills her. Uh, You see him at war, either World War I or II. You can't really tell. Uh, We see him opening the Jean Grey school. We see the little shot of, like, the wedding invitation of him and the Lady Mariko. And he goes to the edge of this this complex, the edge of this helipad, and he looks out and he gets to watch a sunset. And then he dies. He's enveloped in this adamantium and the adamantium eventually hardens to the point where Wolverine can't move and he's just like encased in this adamantium. And that's it, like the final picture. He's kind of down on his knees, hunched over, looking down. He's got his hands out on his legs, you know, palms up and uh, his claws are popped. And it's a pretty cool image. Uh, And that 
that's the series, like quick series, quick reads. Uh, if you haven't read them, check it out. It's a fun series, really good series. Like I said, it's written by Charles Soule. I didn't really talk about the finer points of the series or the writing itself yet because I kind of wanted to talk about that separately as well as the artwork, but I want to talk about the artwork first. Now, I'm a big Steve McNiven fan. I think the guy is super talented. I love him on Wolverine. There are quite a few occasions in this series where Wolverine's kind of looking like Gerard Butler a little bit or uh, more like Sterling Archer. Uh, so I kind of noticed that in like the first issue. And so for the rest of the series, when I read it in my head, usually I hear Cal Dodd's voice from X-Men the Animated Series. But instead, for the rest of this four-issue series, as I was reading it, I was just hearing Archer's voice. So H. John Benjamin as Wolverine. And... It was a lot of fun. I'm like, wow, this actually, this actually works really well. Like as a fun Wolverine, like H. John Benjamin would be perfect. And just picture Archer, but with like long chops and beard, but not too long. Like not, not lumberjack long, just fashionably long. Uh, and that's kind of what Wolverine looks like in a lot of the a lot of the pages in this series with Steve McNiven. Uh, the colors are amazing. Justin Ponzer is just a fantastic colorist. I loved his colors in his issues of IVX in Humans vs. X-Men. It was awesome. I hope that that guy comes back around and does a lot more. Uh, I had recently sent out on Twitter a tweet saying, like, I really hope that when Wolverine gets his ongoing series back, I would love to see some adventures of him as Patch and Madripoor again with Charles Soule as the writer because I think that Charles Soule would be awesome at those kind of stories. Those, like, pseudo-noir, but also, like, pseudo-superhero stories, kind of a mix between both because I'm really getting those vibes from Weapon Lost and apparently he's been telling a lot of those kinds of stories, those dark and gritty yet super heroic stories on his Daredevil run right now. Uh, so I would love to see him take Wolverine and return to Madripoor as Patch uh, with pencils from like Ed McGinnis. Uh, of all the 12 artists that he teamed up with on his Astonishing X-Men run that just ended, uh, my favorite issue was probably the Ed McGinnis issue, and it was like an Old Man Logan heavy issue and I just love how Ed McGinnis draws Wolverine but I also love how Ed McGinnis draws Nightcrawler and so I think that uh, a Soul McGinnis story would be freaking awesome for Wolverine when he returns and a guy like Justin Ponzer would have just an amazing palette for that kind of story and for art that's dynamic like Ed McGinnis. Uh, it's very action heavy but it's also like pretty blocky and he draws you know wide characters and wide shots and i think an uh, a colorist like justin ponzer would just have a field day with that style art so who knows uh, but yeah his colors in this series are fantastic like i said you know we are in canada we're on like a tropical island we are in a seedy bar in madripoor we are in the middle of 
you know, metropolis Japan and not necessarily Tokyo. I think it, I mean, it's probably Tokyo, uh, but it might not be. But like you got the streets with the cherry blossoms. But then on that same street, you've got the big industrial buildings. Uh, Steve McNiven does it all. And Justin Ponzer's palette is like just ridiculous. We get the really vibrant, bright colors in that first issue. Then he takes it down to some pretty dark issues when we're in that seedy Madripoor club. Uh, McNiven and uh, Ponzer are, you know, working in sync. And that's not to say that uh, Leighton didn't do his work either. His, uh, his inks on McNiven's pencils, as always, are magnificent. Uh, but the the penciler and the uh, color work are are just phenomenal. Uh, and even in the last issue, you know, it takes place in a desert, but it's also in this kind of run-down experimental lab facility. And then you get this really beautiful sunset image. And all three of those guys working together were, were magic on this series. But yeah, Ponzer's colors are phenomenal. His palette is so wide-ranging, and it's great. You can see it all in this issue. And it's, I mean, it's Wolverine. Yeah, he doesn't pop his claws as much, but there's still violence. There's still blood and things like that showing up. And uh, Ponzer is really good at determining when things need to be bright, when things need to be dark. I mean, there's not many colorists out there that I don't, like, but there are some who stand out so well, uh, and and Justin Ponzer as a colorist is one of them. Uh, I'd probably throw Peter Steigerwald up on that list too. Uh, you know, the longtime colorist for Michael Turner's work, and uh, still a major colorist, even an artist and writer, uh, but still a major colorist over at Aspen Comics. As far as the artwork itself. Uh, like I said, McNiven, outside of the uh, Logan looking like Archer all the time, uh, the rest of the artwork is all fantastic. His saber tooth is ferocious and brutal. His kitty is short and stocky and graceful and elegant. His Ogun is menacing in a way that only Ogun or the Gorgon can be. Like, how menacing can you be just standing up straight when you're slender? Uh, but McNiven manages to make Ogun look threatening and have a presence, even though he's just this fairly thin, not super tall kind of guy. His Lady Deathstrike and his Viper were also very good. I really liked his Nuke, uh, who is kind of at this point is like a middle-aged hero now that hasn't you know, kept himself in shape and all that. Uh, it's just, it, the work was all really good. His uh, his Cornelius looked just like you would imagine Cornelius would look 10 to 15 years later, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years after Weapon X. I guess it would probably be more like 20 years or so, but he's aged but recognizable. I mean, the, the work is great, and that's not to say anything about the action, which was also pretty great. Uh, it was a fast-paced story, but you only really had a couple of pages of of real action in each in each issue. Most of it was a little bit of talking, quick action, a little bit of talking, quick action. Uh, you didn't have these whole long like seven or eight page battles, but you would have two or three pages here and there of some pretty strong action. And especially in issue three, where Wolverine is facing off against Ogun, at one point while Logan is in this facility 
this laboratory or whatever fighting with Ogun, he comes across their like dojo and he's able to throw on some samurai style armor and you know grab a katana and that sort of thing and McNiven draws a really dope samurai wolverine he really does and he draws a good ninja kitty and i mean he just everything that he draws is is amazing i don't have to sit here and tell you people how good steve mcniven is but i am anyway steve mcniven really good the the writing i like like i said it's very fast paced so there's a little bit of dialogue and then a little bit of action a little bit of dialogue like i said but the dialogue is good it's relevant it gets to the point uh, at w- no point in this series are you disappointed with any of the reveals. It's not like Charles Soule just gives you this really simple story. There's still intrigue. There's still mystery. He does lay out the pieces. And really outside of like Lady Deathstrike, there's not really a whole lot of exposition dumps. But even hers felt natural. Like her showing up to team up with Wolverine that's a natural point for her to tell Wolverine why she showed up. Uh, And so even though she shows up and she delivers all this exposition, it works organically with the story. It works really well. Uh, So I really did like the story. Now, I had the good fortune of rereading it to prepare for the show, uh, and it's only like maybe the third time I've read it. And I think I liked it more this time around than I have either of the past two times. Uh, So... Check it out, read it once, read it twice, four issues, super quick. Great writing from Charles Soule, fantastic artwork, as I've mentioned, from the penciler and inker, and then, of course, those magnificent colors. And I do have to also mention that there are a ton of variants for each of these four issues. So if you are a back-issue collector or a variant collector, check out this series. There's a lot of really good covers. Uh, There's a series of four covers from J. Scott Campbell that are really good. Uh, There's also a few from uh, Terry and Rachel Dodson that are awesome, but a lot of of really great Marvel artists and just other comic book artists came in and did all kinds of variant covers. I think uh, my favorite variant cover, though, of all of them is probably the Greg Land variant for Death of Wolverine number four. Uh, That's the one where it's like this column of Wolverines, and you have Wolverine in his brown suit, Wolverine in his uh, classic yellow suit. You've got just a normal, like, plainclothes cowboy Logan. You've got Weapon X, and you've got first appearance Wolverine. Um, And it's just kind of set upon this, like, bluish-green backdrop of the Weapon X experimentation i just love it it's great great cover so that is death of wolverine i promised you guys another short episode uh our episode next week is going to also be another short one Um, i've liked this themeless month where it's just kind of a couple of stories here a couple of product things there quick episodes for you i mean it's it's the summertime. This is usually when people go on vacation. I know that uh, some people don't usually listen to podcasts while they're on vacation. A lot of people that I know, me personally, I usually listen to my podcasts at work or when I'm in the car by myself. Uh, I don't really listen to podcasts when I'm at home. 
Uh, so for this month, I just figured a themeless month with short episodes, probably the best way to go because it would be easier to catch up on or listen to if you're not on your regular schedule. So thanks for sticking to it. Uh, Death of X, uh, excuse me, Death of Wolverine. I keep saying Death of X. Death of Wolverine is uh, one of my favorite Wolverine stories just because of what it does to the character. And I wanted to share that with you. Recommend that you check out this series. I know for a fact it is on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, Like I said, it's only a four issue series, so it might not be too difficult to track down uh, for back issues. If you're looking for that, I think it's available in trade. You can probably find it digitally as well. So check it out if you have not read it. It is definitely worth the read. So, Bubs, if you like the show and you want to join in the conversation, check me out on Twitter. I am at Talkin Snicked. It's the name of the show. T A L K I N. S-N-I-K-T, Talkin' Snicked. If you are social media shy and you don't want to look me up on Twitter or Tumblr, uh, you can send me an email with questions, concerns, feedback, requests, what have you, at talksnicked at gmail.com. That is just T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T, talksnicked at gmail.com. If you like the show and you want to see it continue and you want to see it grow, there are different ways that you can contribute to our success. You can tell a friend. If you like the show, it's probably because you are a Wolverine fan. And if you're a Wolverine fan, you probably know other people that also like Wolverine. And if they aren't listening to the show, then recommend that they do. Let them know where they can find it. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Most of those third-party podcast apps pull in the RSS feed from iTunes anyway, so you can find it on all sorts of other podcast services. So let them know where they can find it and have them give it a listen. Also, You can rate and review the show on all those apps that allow it. Again, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, Rate the show, review the show. I think I've only gotten a handful. I don't have enough to actually be rated yet. Uh, So if you want to see the show get rated on any of those services, then make sure you jump in and leave some feedback, leave a review, and uh, definitely leave a rating. Uh, That will help the show grow because the more ratings and reviews, the higher reviewed and rated the show is, then the more likely it is to appear in those searches if someone jumps on to, say, Apple Podcasts and they search the keyword Wolverine or the keyword Snicked or X-Men, then they might have a hard time finding Talkin' Snicked. But the higher rated it is, the better chance they will have of discovering the show couple more things. If you like the musical riffs that we've used in the episode, then stay tuned to the end of the episode. We have a full exclusive track only available on Talkin' Snick Podcasts from a very talented musician who goes by the name Retcon X. 
I have linked his Spotify playlist in the show notes. I have also linked his Patreon account and his website where you can go learn about his music and find his tracks. He has two full-length EPs based on the current X-Men comics. They're friggin' phenomenal. I listen to them all the time. Go check them out. He has also recently released a Dazzler-inspired track in celebration of her upcoming return to x-men in the pages of astonishing x-men so go over there check that out last thing here we at talk and snicked also have a patreon a patreon for those of you that don't know is a website that allows fans like you to contribute monetarily to your favorite shows like talk and snicked so that they can continue and grow and expand. Go check us out, patreon.com slash talkinsnicked. I have a link to it in the show notes. Go see what we are all about. We have some goals that maybe you can help meet, and just keep in mind that any contribution you make comes with rewards. We have tier levels at $2, $5, $10, even as low as $1.00 just in case. So go check it out. Bubs, thanks so much for listening to the show. Had a great time with Death of Wolverine. Until next time, Bubs.